0: All right, well, you can have a seat. You know, we are surrounded by the story of Christmas this time of year. And if you weren't careful, you might start to slip into the pattern of thinking where you'd think that the story of Christmas is all about you know, lights on our houses and trees covered with ornaments and stockings by the fireplace. You might start to think that the story of Christmas is gifts that are wrapped in festive paper and classic songs on the radio and made-for-TV movies about the girl who returns to her hometown for the holidays and ends up saving the bakery in the process, right? You guys have seen that one. It was pretty good. You know, I've got a soft spot in my heart for -for made-for-TV movies at Christmas time. I don't know what it is. I just, I like them. And uh, yes, but I I think the reality is that most all of us know that the story of Christmas is more significant than that stuff. Right, I think we, are, we all understand that the story of Christmas is, is far deeper, more meaningful than all of the things that go along with the story of Christmas, but in order to see the true story of Christmas, it's almost like you have to look at it through a different lens. It's almost like you have to look at it from a different perspective, if you will, which reminds me of something that one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, wrote several decades ago. It was... Um, In the 1960s, actually, when, and you might know C.S. Lewis because of the Chronicles of Narnia series, like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? He wrote those books. What you may be less familiar with about C.S. Lewis's life, though, is that C.S. Lewis was a brilliant scholar. Uh, He was a decorated uh, professor at Oxford and at Cambridge. He taught medieval literature. C.S. Lewis lived most of his, his life as a staunch atheist. He believed that God was not real. But as an adult, C.S. Lewis started to question that belief and the belief system that everything happened by accident and that there was no meaning beyond that. And so he started to investigate kind of faith from a a kind of an academic standpoint. And over the course of this study and exploration, C.S. Lewis came to believe that there must be a God. And he believed that Jesus pointed to the true God. And so C.S. Lewis became a Christian. Well, in 1961, the Soviet Union did something that nobody had ever done before, and they put a man into outer space. In 1961, a cosmonaut named Yuri Gagarin was launched in his spaceship into, into orbit. He, he circled the globe one time and came back to Earth. The whole thing take, took about an hour and 40 minutes Um, But while it was only an hour and 40 minutes, humanity had done something that had never been done before, and so as you can imagine, this was a big deal story at the time. Uh, Yuri went on to do a bunch of press conferences, and one of the things that was interesting about those press conferences was that as a Soviet Union representative, the Soviets' official Doctrine, when it came to God, was a position of atheism. The Soviet Union officially believed that there is no God. And so at these press conferences, one of the things that Yuri talked about was how he went into space and he didn't see God. And therefore, that must prove that God doesn't exist. Well, at the time, C.S. Lewis was still alive. And C.S. Lewis heard some of these press conferences and he thought to himself as an academic, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense And so he wrote and published a paper titled The Seeing Eye, where he addressed his, his complaints with this logic from Yuri Gagarin. And one of the things that he said was that he said, if there is a God, and if God did create our world and our universe and all of us who live in it, it would not make any logical sense to think that you could travel into space and there you would find God. That doesn't make any sense. He said, if you are going to relate to God, we need to approach it from a different perspective. And he said the perspective would be more similar to how uh, us knowing God would be similar to how some of the characters in one of Shakespeare's plays could relate to Shakespeare. Now, it's kind of a nonsensical thought, so hang with me here for a minute. This will make sense in just a minute. But think about what C.S. Lewis was arguing. He said, He said the only way for us to understand God would be the same as it would relate to kind of the characters in one of Shakespeare's plays understanding Shakespeare. So let's use Romeo and Juliet for example. Romeo and Juliet is a play that Shakespeare wrote about two people named Romeo Romeo and Juliet. Okay, you're still with me. Good, just making sure. And so he asked the question, he said, how could Romeo and Juliet ever know anything about Shakespeare? You think about that for a second and you go, well, they can't. They can't know anything about Shakespeare. The only way for Romeo and Juliet to ever know anything about Shakespeare would be under one possibility, and that possibility would be Shakespeare would have to write himself into the story. But only if Shakespeare writes himself into the story could Romeo and Juliet ever begin to know or relate to Shakespeare. And his point was that it's the same when it comes to us and God. That if God created the universe, if God created the earth and mankind and everything that is alive today, then us being able to relate to him and understand him would only be possible if God chose to write himself into the story. I'm here to remind you this evening that that's the story of Christmas, that God has written himself into our story. The story of Christmas is not sugar cookies and Eggnog and fudge, as much as I love the eggnog and fudge and the sugar cookies, right? The story of Christmas is the, is the story of how God created everything. He created everything ex nihilo, out of nothing, that he spoke the universe and the world into being, that he gave us life. It's the story of how then God sat and watched as humans did what humans still do today, and that is tried to make the best of it but struggled. He watched as humanity would, 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 would do their best, but they would constantly come up short, how they were constantly falling down, how they were constantly tackling each other. But God, in his love for his creation, loved us too much to simply stand on the outside with his arms folded, doing nothing. And so God chose to intervene, and God entered our story by sending his son Jesus to be, as the prophet Isaiah predicted Emmanuel, God with us. The way Jesus' good friend John articulated it later, towards the end of the first century when John sat down and wrote his gospel, was he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. How wild is that? That's the Christmas story. That's the story that we celebrate. But of course, the story didn't end there. The story didn't end with the birth of Jesus. Jesus, of course, didn't come just to give us a miraculous birth story. Jesus came to to conquer sin and death once and for all on behalf of anyone who would receive that free gift of grace. Jesus came to, 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 to bridge the gap that exists between us and our creator, us and our heavenly Father. And so Jesus grew up and Jesus started a ministry and he traveled around trying to help people understand God and trying to help them understand how to relate to God and how to do life with God. The way that he taught was unlike anything anybody had ever heard a teacher teach before him. The way that Jesus treated people, the way that he invited people to come to him who normally a religious leader would not allow these people to come to him and Jesus said, let them come to me. The way that Jesus touched those who were deemed untouchable, those who were seen as being too far gone or too far from God, Jesus pursued them and he came for them. The way that Jesus loved and the way that Jesus lived was radical. And the miracles, the way that Jesus would heal people who came to him who needed a touch from a creator, who needed to be healed. Again, going back to John, John in his gospel never refers to these things as miracles. He doesn't mention the word miracle one time. He calls all of these things signs because he said what they all did was they all pointed to the same logical conclusion and that logical conclusion is that Jesus is who he claimed to be, Emmanuel, God with us. So as Jesus continued to travel and teach. He amassed a bigger and bigger following. He started to create more conversation. At one point, people were trying to understand, who is this Rabbi Jesus? And so he gathers his 12 around him and he asks them, he says, hey, listen, I know people are trying to figure out who I am, but I just wanna know between the 12 of you and me, who do you guys say that I am? And it was a young man named Peter, A young man named Simon Peter, who might have been the very first to understand actually who Jesus was beyond his mother and his immediate family, when Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the God of the universe, and Jesus responds to Peter and he says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, because this was not revealed to you by any man, this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Peter would eventually call Jesus the author of life. It's a reflection of the reality that there are a lot of authors in our world. I love to read good stories, and there are a lot of great authors who write great stories. But Peter acknowledged that Jesus was the author of life. He's the one who wrote the the story that we're all caught up in. And so Peter was there when Jesus continued his ministry. He was there and he listened to Jesus predict his own death. He explained to Peter how he was going to lay down his life to pay the penalty for the sins of all mankind. And then Peter was there when he watched as Jesus went to the cross and willingly laid down his life. He was there when they took Jesus's lifeless body off of the cross and laid it to rest in a grave. And he was there a few days later when the women came back from the from the grave site, and they said, he's not there because he's risen, he's alive. Peter was there with hundreds of other people who spent the next six weeks with Jesus, alive and well, eating with him and drinking with him and having conversations with him. Jesus answering so many of the questions they had and explaining things that didn't make sense prior to his resurrection. Peter was there then when Jesus ascended back into heaven promising to come back yet again. And then Peter and the other apostles spread out and they started to tell people the story of Jesus, the good news story of Jesus. They, 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 they told this story boldly, without fear, and at one point, Jesus, or I'm sorry, Peter gets in the, the city of Jerusalem, and he gets this crowd of people around him, and one of the things that he says to this crowd of people is so good, look at this, this is from Acts chapter three, he says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and I love the ending here, he said, we are witnesses of it. He's like, I haven't just heard about this, you guys. I have witnessed it. We, so many of us, are witnesses of it. And that day, thousands of people made the decision that they were going to invite God into their story and their lives were different because of it. And this is the story that has been handed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. But of course, the story doesn't end there. That brings us to today. That brings us to my story and to your story. And your story, no doubt, has been like everyone's story. It has been filled with characters and individuals from all walks of life, people of all shapes and sizes. Your story has included challenges and obstacles that needed to be overcome. Your story involved twists and turns that you didn't see coming. Your story, no doubt, has involved rising action and climactic moments, and of course, falling action and resolution. And the question is, as you live your story, will you invite God to be part of it? The question is, as you live your story, will you invite God to play a leading role in your story, or will you keep him at arm's distance, not inviting him to come too close? I always wonder, at a time like this, if maybe there's a part of you that wishes God was a bigger part of your story, but you have questions, and you don't know all the answers, and you don't fully understand how that works, and there's a part of you that doubts deep in your mind, and you're like, I don't know if I can invite him into my story while I still have these doubts and these other parts that I'm struggling with, and I'm here to tell you today, yes, you can still invite him into your story. You can invite him into your story before all of your questions are answered and before all of your doubts are are relieved. You can invite him into your story, and even better than that, you are invited into his story. That's the, the, the testimony of so many people that make up this place. There are so many people that attend Heartland on a regular basis that would say, man, there was a point in my life where I was living my story by myself, on my own, just giving it the best shot I had, giving it my, you know the old college try. But then there was a part of them that wondered if there was something more. And so they started to ask the deeper questions of life. They started to explore. They started to attend a church, maybe this one or one like this, where they could come and and ask deep questions to to important, important issues. And as they started to get answers, they started to discover, they thought there really was something to this life with God thing. And they would tell you that it has made such a difference in their life. That's my story. You go back a couple decades, I was just trying to do the best I could, trying to make the most out of my life, trying to, you know, pursue happiness and love and all the other things that we all want in our, in our, in our story. But then there was a part of me that just couldn't shake these questions of, you know, what does that look like to involve God in my story? And as I started to move in that direction, I started to experience life lived with God, Emmanuel, God with me. And I'll tell you, it has made all the difference in the world for me. And again, that's what so many of you would say. So many of you would say the same thing, that you have experienced what it looks like to to involve God in your story, and you would say, it has made all the difference I think there are so many of us, so many of you who would like me would echo the words of Peter there in Acts chapter 3 and we would say, listen, you can involve God in your story and, and we know this because we have witnessed it. We know this not because we read it in an ancient text and not because somebody told us about it. We've witnessed it for ourselves. And that's why we continue to live out this story because of the difference it has made as we have witnessed God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's grace and God's mercy and God's hope and God's joy and God's peace and God's love. We have witnessed life. We have witnessed a resurrection. Maybe we weren't there to see God's resurrection of Jesus in person, but we have witnessed God's resurrection of ourselves. That's the story that we tell today. That's the story of Christmas. And that's the story that we celebrate. There's a song that we sing around here from time to time that's simply titled, I've Witnessed It. And I love the words of this song because they echo exactly what Peter had said 2,000 years ago and what we would say today. So I wanna invite the band to lead us in this song. And I wanna invite you to join us in singing this song. You know, I, I... said earlier, I think there's something really great about coming to a Christmas celebration service and to simply sit back and relax and just soak it all in, but I also think there's something really significant about reflecting on the truth of of what the Christmas story is about and then declaring our praises in response to it. So I want to invite you to join me in singing this song, I've Witnessed It, as together we celebrate the story of Christmas, the story we tell. So would you stand to your feet right now as we respond in worship.